The Ice Cream Hands' third recorded effort, Sweeter Than the Radio, and on Skype line with me, I have Chuck or Charles Jenkins. Do you prefer to go by Charles or Chuck nowadays? Charles is good. Okay, we'll we'll stick with Charles then. Chief songwriter of Ice Cream Hands and also now chief songwriter and chief cook and bottle washer of Charles Jenkins and the Zhivagos. Welcome to uh, Love That Album, Charles. Thank you very much for having me, Morris. It's a real thrill to be here. I know that like basically at the time where the ice cream hands came in, there didn't appear to my memory to be so much of a big, what we now call power pop boom. When you guys first got together, was it like over a mutual love of Big Star or the Beatles or, or what What was the common point between you guys at the start? The com- look, I, I suppose the common point was just, it's just simplistic to say, but it was more to do with finding people that you could get along with and you know we 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 and 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 respect for their playing i'm 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 sure that there were records that we bandied about at the time but you know god it was such a long time ago i'm trying to you know it was i'm trying to recall what what they might have been besides the obvious you know past history rec you know past records but it it wasn't as if we went out to form a band that sounded like this, that, the other. It was just the fact that, the you know, we had a bass player all of a sudden that was the best harmony singer in town and the drummer wanted to sing as well and the guitar player could sing as well. And uh, I was more than happy to let them do that to their to, to these songs. So it, 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 was, it was more of that, really, just kind of, you know... Uh, uh, utilizing or maximizing the potential. Touched on Doug Lee Robertson, you know your bass player being, you know, 
one of the great harmony singers around town. And this is sort of touching on something I was going to ask a little bit later on, but I might as well sort of ask about it now. Was he like the main harmony arranger for the group? Like, was he arranging on your songs as well as on his own? Oh, totally. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not in his league. Doug has music in his big toe. <laughs> and, and I had been a fan of Doug's from when we were in Adelaide and when um, he, he, were, he was in other duets and other bands and I could see that he, he was, you know, he's just such an incredible singer. And um, I, you know, by the time we got to the Mad Turks, oh, sorry, by the time we got to the Ice Cream Hands, it was then I, you know, I I no longer had to tell them what the chords were in a song. You know what I mean? I, I would just play the thing, and 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 they would, you know, th- this was before, of course, email and and MP3s and all these things that you could record at home and send them to the band, and they would learn them. And you you know, you would go into a rehearsal room, and you would nervously stare at your feet and play them your later song and and you would rehearse twice a week type thing yep you know and uh you know i haven't rehearsed in about 20 years type thing so (laughs) (laughs) it costs too much money in in beer to begin with right Um, so but it's money well spent yeah yeah (laughs) sure we would be in the studio and he would say you do this you do that you do this and we would practice and and depending upon the part depending upon who was around at the time would would you know whether it was an ooh or an ah you know he would he would kind of orchestrate it all you know he was a very um significant member of the group as 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 they all were but but when it came time to kind of harmony parts and stuff and you know look i've just I've just recorded another record. Here we are in 2013, oh, nice. and the Chivagos have just done another record. And the last two albums that we've done, I've got Doug to sing harmonies on because he's, I had he's, noticed that. Yeah, he's just beautiful, mm. and he's a dear friend, and he's one of the you know most loveliest people that you could ever wish to know. I was talking, you know, I think about the time when the last Ice Cream Hands album, The Good China, came out, and I said to our uh, mutual friend, or your surname's namesake, Jeff Jenkins, that I think the real strength of the album, it sounded like to me, at least with the songwriting, was that, you know, your opening song, Come Around, written by Doug, and I hadn't even, like, looked at the songwriting credits and I just sort of thought the song I, I thought it was you at first I thought it was one of your compositions and I thought it was you singing and then I found that it was Doug and I thought oh right that is Doug's voice but the, the beauty of it was his songwriting and your songwriting flowed so seamlessly and it didn't seem like alright here's Doug's song and here's Chuck song and it, it the, that was to me one of the great strengths of the Ice Cream Hands and you know I think uh, Smiley you know had gone and written his songs and I thought they all seemed to flow cohesively in what became the Ice Cream Hands sound and was that something that you recognised at the time did you have any contribution like uh, to suggest did you bandy ideas around to improve each other's songs well with with regard to the Good China um, it, it was my you know I. Did say to everyone, look, I, you know, I'm I'm doing these solo records, so I think when it comes time to uh, do an ice cream hands record, we should all chip in. Um, and so that's how those songs came about. It, it, look, I have to admit, became a little bit fraught <laughs> when we got to kind of decide about which songs 
stay on and which songs stay off. Um, there was a little bit of argy-bargy, as they say. But, uh, you know, it, it comes down to the, to the point of, I, you know, for every record I've ever done, be it Ice Cream Hands or be it my solo record, for the 10 songs or whatever it is, more or less, that end up on that record, I've probably written 30 songs wow. for that for that thing and in various stages of you know so in the vaults are there any uh, any songs that the hands recorded that just didn't see the light of day or were they scrapped uh at the rehearsal stage yeah yeah millions you know so i mean yeah i'm um i don't know what other bands do but but i i you know uh, uh what quantity leads to quality you know, as far as I'm concerned, so I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to put those. You know, uh, I love parameters, but I, the, the parameters of having, you know, you've got to write twelve songs type thing for twelve for them to end up on a record is is not kind of uh, cool with me. Yeah. You know, I, I think you should just write and write and write and uh, and, and I suppose the argy bargy occurred when when I would go and write 30 songs and get whatever it was, eight songs on the record. And, um, yeah, you know, the, the, there were just a few problems with, with I thought that the other guys should kind of write a few more, a few more songs yeah. and then we could draw, draw upon them, you know. Um, but having said that, all, you know, I was very happy, very, very happy with, um, with, with the good China. That was supposed to be the focus of this, but while we are still talking about the good China, two of my favourite songs from that album, and indeed, probably from anything that you guys recorded, were Launceston and My Mother Was a Dancer. And a good part of that is, I think, you know, Doug's contribution with the harmonies. I was absolutely thrilled when I got to see the album launch, I think, at the Northcote Social Club. And I was thinking, oh, they they won't be able to duplicate those harmonies on My Mother Was a Dancer. And, you know, bugger me, you did. It was just absolutely, you know, spine tingling. It was beautiful. But from what I really loved about it was your approach to storytelling. I mean, neither one was like, I guess, a complete story from this is where it starts, this is where it ends. It was more, I mean, there, there was a story there, but you were, it was more about the mood 
and you know my mother was a dancer was you know I, I don't know if that's based on your own recollection or, or you're just putting yourself in someone else's shoes do you write something based on a story that you want to tell or just you get a feeling about something and you decide well I'll, I'll find a way to project this yeah I, I, I think so look I can't really recall the actual um, impetus behind those songs um, my mother was a dancer just uh, look I I I'm sure that the the title kind of came first, okay. because my mother was not a was not <laughs> was not a dancer. I, I, I you know, I, and so there was a fair bit of fabrication to that song. But I was trying to kind of, um, you know, I I obviously love my parents, and when it came, um, you know, this is probably an aside, but when it came. Sure. There was a 50th winning anniversary that they had, and I played that song for them and kind of altered the lyrics. <laughs> so it ended up on a good note. But um, I, look, for me, the for me, I think the 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 reason behind that song was that line in there. Um, I never saw uh, shops closed that never opened. Right. You know, that that I kind of wanted. You know, I I I remember. I remember that line, mm. writing that line. Um, and, you know, this is going to sound pretty weird, but now that I think about it, and you have to remember, Morris, and I'm sorry if these things come back to me slowly and I apologise to, to the listeners, but now that I think about it, um, I, I used to get these uh, calls from my publishing company saying such and such wants a song. And my mother was a dancer unbelievably came from the fact that Natalie Imbruglia wants songs. So, <laughs> so can you come up with some songs? And so it was that chord, that downward chord progression in that song, which was much faster, you know, when, when, when I did the demo. Mm. And for some reason I, I, I was trying to imagine Natalie Imbruglia kind of singing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is hilarious. I've forgotten all about this. This is... Um, my mother was a dancer. My father not at all, and 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 you know it it never went too far. I don't I don't think, I don't know if I even sent it in to 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 the publishing company, but it had this beautiful uh, movement where whereby I you know recorded that demo, and so I had this kind of upbeat version of that song, and then I sent it to Doug as an acoustic guitar, much slower kind of version. And then he came back to me with this kind of Beach Boys yep. arrangement, which just flipped me out completely. And so we tried to. It was a combination of the more the the folk version that I sent to him and the Beach Boy thing with the sleigh bells yes. that, and the song that that we know. So it feels it feels kind of. Um, Guilty or a little bit, uh, un, uh, you know, uh, un, un, unhealthy to say that it, that it was that it was that kind of purpose. But you know, it, it, it doesn't matter where the where the impetus comes from for me. Um, it, uh, the 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 you know the actual kind of wouldn't it be good to write a song about such and such can come much later in the songwriting process, and that's a really good example. My father was a footballer. Had the ball on a string The talent scouts came from miles about To watch him do his thing With a smile in their eyes 
never knew of dark clouds on the horizon I never knew the sky would surely bruise I never knew the shops closed and never open I only knew what I had that was over in London and he told me the story about sleeping on a couch yep. and waiting and waiting and when the girl kind of finally turned up she, or, or whatever, no, perhaps it was, you know, he, she just, just dismissed him and that, it, 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 it was a friend's story that, he, he's not from Launceston but I, I, I for some reason I, I, you know, we were in Tasmania and I remember flying into Launceston and it's one of those places where you, it's like flying into London, you know, it's just so green and stuff. And so that's, that's how those two, that's how that song, you know, melded together. When you read about a well-crafted song, you might read the lyric or, or hear the song and you think, wow, that's a really well-crafted song. There was something, though, that has to be said for the arrangement and your own vocal delivery. So I think that the way how you delivered the line about, you know, she said, come visit, I'm living behind the football ground and I did visit, I was over in the summer and then you sing and she looked me up and then she looked me down. It really <laughs> sort of pushes home, at least to me, I don't know if you intended it, but reading it on paper, I don't think it would have had, or if it had been sung even slightly different, it would have had that same effect. But the way it sounded to me like you were singing it, there was, yep, yeah, she, it really pushes forward the point that she was looking down on you. She, she um, was really not that pleased to see that you'd taken up on an offer that she hadn't really made with all that sincerity. And it, it really sort of brought home the the uh, the wistfulness of the song and the sort of sad beauty of it you know what your, what your protagonist's wishes and, and and feelings were were certainly not being reciprocated just with those three words or she looked me down thanks that, yeah look yeah look I, I I was trying to get that across I I I had been in in London not to you know not 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 you know well previously and I had I was staying in. You know, I'd, I'd been about, I'd walked around Fulham and, and Swerve Driver, are my, uh, <laughs> one of my favourite bands, and mm. and they 
they they referred to Fulham and and so Fulham became my football team and um, and I yeah look it was yeah no I I thought about that so mm. I I appreciate you Morris you're the first one that's ever mentioned that thing so there you go I, I did try and make that point thank you before the northern lights took her away from me before she fell for a guy from Fulham before I spent a summer a couch or three She took me home once to Launceston Fields of green As the plane came rolling over Fields of green I took a look over my shoulder To another It seemed to me like the other couple of really big songwriters. Uh, I, I all sort of place you like in a trilogy, and really, they're, you know, all three of you are still sort of writing terrific songs. And I'm referring to Ash Naylor of even The Grapes and a million other projects, and Tim Rogers of You and I. And I know that you have an admiration for both of those guys. Did you ever have a like some sort of friendly, unofficial rivalry? Uh, well, you know, I I played a gig with Ash on Sunday, which was just a few days ago. Oh, nice. Uh, and uh, I've always been a big fan of his, and I was always a big fan of Tim's. Oh, look, I mean, I'm older than those guys by a few years, but you know, well, sorry, only only by a couple of years. But at when when you're at a when you're at that stage of your youth, those years 
kind of seem longer. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. So, um, but I was always a big fan of both of them. Ash is a, you know, Ash and I were both on Rubber Records, so we, we kind of became friendly via that, I think, by, you know, by David Vodick and Rubber, and Rubber Records. Right. Now, I always will love that, you know, simpatico that that, that connection uh, brought about. And Tim just became a uh, look. I uh, look. I don't think it was a rivalry. Or uh, did you say that word? Maybe. I think I, I, I did say friendly rivalry. Okay. Um, no. Look. I mean, we 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 were on the same record label for a little while. Um, BMG, both yep. uh, both Tim and I. But no. Look. No. It it never. It, you know. They're 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 superstars. As far as I'm concerned, I'm just this guy that kind of, you know, goes off and writes songs. Uh, it seemed to me, if I recall correctly, that both Memory Lane Traffic Jam and Sweeter Than the Radio were <laughs> albums that sort of came together in bits and pieces. So like, you know, Memory Lane Traffic Jam, you had a single here and a single there. And a year later, we ended up with the whole album. And if I recall correctly, that was that the case with Sweet on the Radio as well? So, like, I think Dodgy might have come out some considerable time before Spirit Level Windowsill, and that came out before the album. What Mem- Memory Lane Traffic Jam was a real piecemeal thing. We were on our own. I mean, Rubber were going to distribute, uh, but they they wouldn't. You know, they couldn't contribute to the recording of the record financially. So we would go off and and play gigs and and um, save our pennies and come back and and record those songs. And this is, what are we talking? This is 19, I think that record came out in 96, but we're talking, you know, that record took about three years to make. Yeah, yeah. And recording studios were so expensive back then compared to the amount of money that you would actually it's probably identical to as it is now Mm. you'd get paid you know bugger all and and studios were very pricey there was no kind of home recording i suppose is what i'm saying and that's all i do these days i we make records at home and that's why i'm able to kind of make a bit of dosh you know when they they sound completely fine you know they sound uh, they don't really sound like they would have been home recordings of 20 years ago that's you know technology's become amazing for that i know so i'm very thankful for those advances um but um uh, memory lane traffic jam was was really pieced together over a long period of time and i'm really you know i i I can't gush. I, you know, that's my favourite record. I'll finish that previous sentence. I can't gush <laughs> more about that. You know, I love that record. That there, there was, you know, there, there were. I, I'm, I'm not sure if your listeners are able to kind of get access to um, Winter's Tune or. I'm glad you, you brought. Know. I'm glad you brought that song up. That was my personal favourite. That was the most to me the most Beatlesque song yes, on, on the album. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, it was a homage, and we were. We were young and very happy to have the ability, I suppose, to, you know, it's like, it's like Van Gogh, you know, well, no, this is bullshit, but it's trying, you know, you're trying, you're trying to, you know, it's like the, you know, you spend 10 years of your, of, of the painter's life, of, of the apprenticeship, trying to, you know, do the Rubens and do all those things. So eventually you become the artist that you are. Yep. And that's that kind of period for the ice cream hands. We're we're trying to copy all these great acts 
that we know and, and learn from all these things so that eventually we can move on and do our own thing. And that Ice Cream Hands record for me, that second record for me, is, is it's really such a tender favourite because it was so much hard work. We had no money at all and we had to, as I said, do these crappy gigs every weekend and put the money aside type thing and not get paid and go and, you know, give it to some guy. No, when I say give it to some guy, that's incorrect. Give it to Craig MacArthur at World Records who was a beautiful person and and, an engineer that – that is probably still the best engineer engineer I've ever worked with, the most beautiful person. Anyway, so yes, that, 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 that took a very long time. That took about two years to record, and then there was a year to wait until it came out because Rubber Records had done this deal with BMG to promote and distribute, blah, 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 or maybe to just distribute that record. But by the time that Sweeter Than the Radio came about, Rubber's deal with BMG had evolved, and this may be very boring to your listeners, but very kind of intrinsic to the popularity of Sweeter Than the Radio in that the Rubber Records deal with BMG had become one where it was uh, promotion and distribution. So the record got to be released amongst, you know, got to be put out into the general public a lot more. Getting back to your original question, yes, Dodgy and whatever the B-side was were recorded previously to the rest of the record. So, so the rest of the record did get recorded like in a concentrated period of time. Yeah, we had two weeks or something at Hot House in St Kilda with um, Wayne Connolly. You recorded the album over a, you know, a more cohesive time, and, and so did it feel like a more? Because as you said, you know, the previous one, even though you hold very strong affection for it, it had to be done piecemeal because of financial limitations. Uh, did it feel more satisfying in a way? artistically to record this rather than uh, just at the time thinking, well, we're achieving something by going at rough with the with memory lane traffic jam. No, no, Sweden the Rainy was a pain in the ass, And it was too quick and it was under-realized and I wanted a lot more on that record. And I said to Wayne Colley, we're running out of time. What on earth are we going to do? And I was freaking out. And Wayne said, I've never not recorded a record on time. Don't worry about it. I said to him, well, that's great, Wayne. But, you know, like you're not answering my question. How on earth are we going to solve these problems that we have about I want this on that song and, you know. And so to me, the the reason that that record holds up is the strength of the songs. Um but the thing I like about the records previous and post is because I think the songs are more realised. I don't mean to alarm anyone, but I think the only... Well, I, I won't be, but I think the, the reason why Sweet in the Radio became popular is just because of the fact that it had uh, uh, more more clout behind it. I mean, it did have, have an effect. It, it, it didn't last long. You know, we, we, we um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I wasn't aware of it, but a friend of mine in Sydney, you know, tells me how he, he would, because I, I, I would always go and stay with him around, uh, around the corner from the Annandale Hotel. You know, there was a time when, 
when we would go up there and play and no one would be there and and then we would go up and play and all of a sudden there were queues around the corner and it was just because of the radio airplay and stuff like that and it was because of the clout of Triple J, really. And, you know, and now that I think about it a little bit more and I, and I apologise for my ramblings to your listeners, um, you know, Dodge, I think Dodge is a great song. I, I You know, in I, I'm sorry if I'm gloating about it. but Go I, for it. I was going to gloat about it in a minute. So I think Dodge it. is a great song and Spirit Level is a great song and Yellow and Blue is a great song. And and they are they are all kind of single oriented oriented. The thing that happened in between um, Memory Lane Traffic Jam and Sweeter Than the Radio was that I was considering doing a solo record, and I did lots of lots of solo gigs, and I hadn't done them for about three or four years, and uh, it came back to me that the, the the importance of having really sharp songs that had an impact uh, from a from a solo performer. Like I, I didn't have a band to lean on. I, I was kind of, you know, hell-bent on doing these this solo record. And and then at the last minute I thought, oh, no, no, hang on. The, the, these songs, let's go and do an, another Ice Cream Hands record. So that they were, they were very worked upon and and I had a few people kind of you know that I could lean on to say you know is this working or not and that all you know and and I tell that to songwriters these days that I that I you know up and coming songwriters that I work with you've just get someone that you can that you can play your song to it can be the milkman it can be the dog you know it doesn't matter just play your song to someone because the moment that someone else is in that room, your senses become heightened and you you realize what works in the song and what doesn't work in the song. Yep. And so yep. a lot of that process went into went into Sweet in the Radio. And plus we had that muscle behind us. And so yes, by the time my friend, you know, would turn up late to the Annandale to come and see us, he couldn't get in because the place was sold out. So it was a combination of, you know, artistic and, and work and production and record company and all of those ideas. Oh, can you stop me? I, I got the hardware, you got the side. It's my favorite cause. And I hope you'll be riding your favorite horse this time. Turn around the launch You got the hourglass I got the porch It's my favorite stance And I hope we will be doing Your favorite dance This time You know I rise With the sun And return with chill To where my spirit level Slides down the Maybe talk about a you know 
two or three songs from the album in particular that um, I, I really liked in terms of composition or performance. And so we've already gone and spoken, you know, gone and mentioned uh, Dodgy, the first single. And what I love about that is you've gone and taken something on there which really in other people's hands could have come out rather corny. You've got a song here that's basically every line is saying, I'm part, you're the other part, together, you make me whole. And that's really a very well-worn sort of theme and could come out sounding very cliche, but every line, every way how you've gone and approached it is far from corny or cliched. Did you labour over those words to make it not sound cliched? Look, I, I can't recall labouring over those words. The thing I remember is... Do you mind if I grab the guitar for one go for second? It, go for it, please. Okay. The thing I recall, Morris, is... Um, like, we're, we're, we're in D here, so... I'd, I'd learnt this chord. I'd, I'd learnt a particular chord. And I still don't know what it's called. But, you know, I'm sure most songwriters are the same. That With each chord that they learn, they put it into a song. So there's this chord. It's got a C-sharp minor on the bass. I don't even know what it's called. but I So I went from D to my new chord. And then I just figured... I, I just kept on going down and then, look, it, it was a chord-based song. It, sure. um, but it sounds, it sounds like the way how you're sort of playing it there sounds like you could have uh, really gone and carried on that progression ad nauseum. How did you know where to stop? <laughs> Feel like it wouldn't be right If it were wonderful there it you go. Words. I forgot, I forgot that was it. Words, they get you to stop. It makes sense for me to stop there. Yeah, know man. that it wouldn't be right. Forgive my singing. If it were wonderful, yeah, it'd be the... And off we go. So it, that, that song I know was a real chord-based affair. And, I, you know, it had an exuberance to it, you know, when, when you... When you're kind of going like that, it has this exuberance to it. So, sure. therefore, I, I have to sing about upbeat <laughs> upbeat things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. I mean, I didn't I didn't question it. It felt it felt good to my ears. The the last thing you want to do as a songwriter is try and uh, think what someone else might like to hear. You know, now that I think about it. And I should have done my homework. <laughs> I, I suppose that, you know, feel like it wouldn't be right, you know, kind of makes sense amongst that, whoops, amongst that kind of. Well, so you, you, could, you could have gone for that A7th chord or, or was it an A7th? Oh, well, no, no, no. Well, uh, as a B. Um, but the rest of the song. The rest of the song is trying to um, address that situation. Like it, it's, yeah, it'd be the beat. Like that's all that, you know, it's, it gets a bit kind of Beatlesque at that point. Yep. But, um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's, that, it's, that, it's that balance. You know, you want to say lyrically what you are saying musically. 
and rhythmically. I mean, right. otherwise, why bother? If you, you know, if you if you want people on the dance floor, you don't want them to be singing about their stocks and their shares. <laughs> you, know, you want them to be. It's Friday night or Saturday night, and we're going to have a good time. Blah blah blah. Although there there is a line of thinking I've I've heard like a whole bunch of songs over the years where the music is saying something different to what the lyrics are saying, and you know you could be singing along to this song, and then when you start to think, hang on, what the hell have I just gone and sung about? And it could be about you know the loss of a loved one or about you know something tragic going on in one's life. But you know, the the songwriter is cheating you just to sort of see if you're actually listening. You get something as bouncy and vivacious, but, you know, with maybe dark subject matter. It seems to be a, a common technique for, for some songwriters. Well, for, I mean, I mean, you know, the Smiths, I think, did that every now and then. Mm. But um, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of it, to right. be honest. I, I think, you know, I have the – my position is, wouldn't it be nice if someone from a – who didn't speak English – had a vague idea about what the song was about. If it's an upbeat song, then it's an upbeat lyric. If it's a downbeat thing, then it's a downbeat thing, for crying out loud. You know, why? <laughs> you know, I know the Irish might disagree with me, but it's, it, that's, that's my take on all of that stuff. Feel like it wouldn't be right about another couple of songs from um, the album and these are ones that not came out as singles but just a couple of uh, album tracks that I really really loved one of them is Gasworks Park I love how you you set up this uh, chilly mood at the start of the song of a lover it sounds like he he or she is arranging a rendezvous in in Gasworks Park which for those of you outside Melbourne or um, outside of uh, Australia I guess is, uh, is like an arts precinct uh, near Port Melbourne, uh, here in Melbourne, and uh, so, anyways, he's arranging for this uh, rendezvous. And by the chorus, you've gone and revealed something new. You realise that this is about a, a, a guy who's he's in, he's stuck in unrequited love. Uh, seems like you're always leaving town. At least that's that's how I read into it. And he's, he's waiting for this rendezvous that's never going to happen. And the music gets so desperately sad at the chorus. Is is that sort of another technique that you like to do where you build up to something, you, you start off something, leave the listener guessing, and then uh, boom, you get to the chorus, or you get to something late in the song and there's a twist or at least something that's not expected? That one is kind of boringly kind of um, auto autobiographical. And we were, we had, my wife and I at the time had had our first baby and we were living near Gasworks Park and I always had to go off on these crappy tours that would make no money. And, oh, okay. And 
So when it's you know seems like you're always leaving town, was was <laughs> having to go away. Um, oh, so I've gone and read that wrong. But it's interesting well, because it's, anyone can sort of come and take not, their own interpretation. It's not, it's not you know it's a fault of the song, I suppose. It's not really kind of. Um, I don't think I write songs like that anymore. Um, I kind of point people in, in more of a direction these days. But, um, you know, that's where that thing came about. Um, you know, it, it was a, it's a beautifully atmospheric neck of the woods, Gasworks Park. In, in, and this was a long time ago when, when that song was written. And um, uh, you, you would have the run of the place and at night and we had a young baby that wasn't sleeping and we would walk, you know, push the baby <laughs> through the neck of the woods and um uh just to try and get him to sleep and it you know, it was kind of pretty emotional that the the, the, the baby wouldn't sleep and then, you know, I had to go off on this bullshit tour the next day and leave my poor wife with this screaming kid. And so that's what you know that the atmosphere of the that neck of the woods and the sadness that that you know came from those conversations led to those chords and led to that you know when when it jumps to the major chord in the chorus it's like feels like you're always you know that that kind of thing led led to that song so you know you you see where I'm coming from Morris I'm always just trying to make as you can imagine make the music help get the lyric idea across at night in gas works park, let the cool breeze blow at night in gas works no one needs to Once again, I'm sure you're probably going to sort of shoot this out of the water get based on what we've just spoken about, but I sort of looked on that as being uh, like a, a funny song about 
really something quite sad in a way. You're looking at a relationship that starts out, you know, really wonderfully. You know, it's, it's very sexual, very physical, and you're having a great time. And by the end, you can't even be in the same room because one of you wants to listen to the football score and the other one doesn't. Do I have that one right? Is is that something that you intended <laughs> to be a little bit funny? Or well, that that was a that was a one written because as I said earlier, I was doing a, a fair, you know, I'd started. I'd gone back to playing solo gigs and I kind of needed songs like that, you know, upbeat and uh, arresting and, you know, like a lot of those songs on that record benefited from me having to play them solo and, you know, and, and, and smack people around the head and, and having a real angle to them. I couldn't rely on a band. I couldn't rely on, you know, their nous or their instrumentation or whatever, the intricacies, but I had to kind of go and uh, conf- confront people with these songs. And, yeah, my my wife hates football and and so um, – and I love her for it. And um, – uh it was it was a combination of those things plus the, you know those things i needed a, a, a rhythmical i felt as though you know you know i i was playing these solo gigs and i would look at the set list and i would think oh you know i need a song like that here or that there type of thing and and that and that is how that, that song came about if 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 you know if memory serves me well that's how that thing came about. It was, and it was a continuation. And a friend of mine again um, said to me about, you know, that oh, I can't even recall the verse that it's in, but something about, oh, there's that squ- squirrel grip and Christmas hold or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I got no, you know, they're rugby terms or something. I've got no idea. That someone told me about that, and so you know, there's a bit of that kind of white line fever, or whatever. But it was. It basically was to fill a hole in the set list, and there was a rhythm that I wanted to kind of, you know, and and that that's look that's how the song started. But of course, of course, when it comes time to fulfilling, you know, to getting the song across the line, you don't you don't want to um, make that appear. You you just want to you just want it to seem as though it was always going. To, you know, that was always the intention that the song you, you don't want to let people in about how you started the song it's always I was always going to write a song about you should be rewarded by you know for something like that even though that took me a long time to get to that neck of the woods seems like not so many years ago we used to kick and scream and pull each other's hair Tie each other up till it wasn't fair Now that we're off the trapeze Won't you give them a little squeeze You could be reported for something like that You could be suspended for something like that Seems like not so many months ago We used to squirrel grip and Christmas hold so tight 
In touch in white line fever every night Now that we're on our knees Won't you give them a little squeeze You could be reported for something like that You could be suspended for something like that They could put you out for a couple of weeks for something like that Okay, so I guess just to finish off, talk a little bit about your current band, the Zhivagos. So the last three Zhivagos albums, you've done one that's been like a string-laden ballad album, and you've done Walk This Ocean, which was uh, sounded like a 70s-style rock-feel album, and, and Love Your Crooked Neighbor, which is a lot of folksy, I'd even dare say at a couple of points, you know, music hall-type albums. So you, you've got really very versatile group of uh, musicians there who can who are able to sort of do all that sort of stuff do you find that you consciously decide before each album that you want to do something that sounds different and um th- that's a good question morris i i i like going off on tangents because it makes it easier for me it makes it um i like those parameters and we've just done a record that's you know that you know the 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 one you mentioned love your crooked neighbor the last one is is a um is a you know kind of quasi kind of country folk type record and the last record we've done is all about the theme of water so it's a very diverse kind of it has surf instrumentals on it and songs about the inland sea and and songs about uh you know hunting down whalers as opposed to whales um so i just like going off in those directions because it makes the next record whoops it makes the next record easier Yep. That's pretty much all it comes down to, and I, you know, I'm always endeavouring. I have to say, always, always endeavouring to do the record with one nylon string guitar and one voice and one microphone. That's the record I'm always trying to make, but it never happens that way. It's it's just that I hear a, a you know, I finish a song and think, oh no, hang on, it's it kind of that's the point in the song where everything. You know the 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 light gets turned on, and and let's go. You know, so that's that's where I think. Oh, I need to roll in the band for this or something. So, it's a look. I'm very blessed in in that neck of the woods. I have this beautiful band that that I can draw upon, and and thankfully they're they're very busy and as well, and so I can you know you know um, um, not worry about the fact that they're completely reliant upon me. So when will this? When will the new album come out? Uh, I reckon it's February 2014. I reckon it's called "There Is." It's called "Too Much Water in the Boat." Okay, and it's, it's all things to do with water, from from refugees to prime ministers going missing to you know irrigation systems to. That <laughs> sounds very boring, but um, I'm very pleased. Like I think musically. And lyrically, it's the best bunch of things, you know. Again, I wrote 30 songs. I wrote a lot <laughs> of songs for these things because it's, 
sometimes you know it's easier for me to start songs than to finish songs and the only and I you know I realized that for me to finish a song all I have to do is press record and get the my housemate Dave who plays drums on the records mm. to sit down and play drums and and if if I've got a drum track then I can finish the record uh, I can finish the song so um and that's the impetus I need to finish the lyric to finish blah 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 so yeah I don't yeah I, I don't I don't have a problem with with you know the songs still take me a long time to write they take me longer than ever I can you know there's a record there's a song on the new record that took me 10 years to write you know I, but I love I love I love that kind of work because I knew it was really good and everything I kept on adding to it sounded as though I was trying to write a song. Yeah. My, you know, the thing about writing a song is that when it ultimately appears, you don't want it to sound as though you are writing a song. You want it just to sound like a song. You don't want to look at a great piece of art and say, that's a great piece of art that must have taken that dude, you know, that whatever, that painted um, 10 years to do that you just want to look at it and think goodness oh you know that that's and so it's the same with the song and it can take a lot of work to try and make it appear as though there was no work attached all right now thanks so much for joining us on the podcast charles and um i'll uh, pass any information on to the listeners as we get closer to dates for uh, album release and um so uh, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast thank you Morris very much indeed it's been my pleasure I'm Shelly Winters alright I had a husband who used to take me in his arms and tell me how wonderful he was. I once did a movie with Michael Caine Where I never understood a single word he said I was run over by Alan Ladd Run over by James Mason Low leader A place in the sun The night of the hunter Shelly Winters, I'm Shelly Winters tonight. Yeah, I'm Shelly Winters. All right. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 